0: Kamusta? This is your host Alicia, aka your favorite Asian. Welcome back to another episode. And I really appreciate the support as I took a week off, as you might have noticed, for the podcast just to, you know, recollect my thoughts on the issues surrounding Asian hate. And to be honest, it's really hit me hard. I do really appreciate though the friends that have spoke to me about the topic and how I feel pain because although I fear for my life at times, I fear more for my mother in this hateful world. The vulnerable elderly, AAPI members of our community have already been hurting. And now we have another atrocious event that has happened to our community on March 16th. And if you're unfamiliar with what happened, a brief overview is that on March 16th, 2021, a series of mass shootings occurred at three spas and massage parlors in Atlanta, Georgia. Eight people were killed, six of whom were Asian women, and one other person was wounded. The suspect, 21-year-old Robert Aaron Long was taken into custody later that day. And honestly, for those who are saying this is not a hate crime, I would like you to please reevaluate what you are saying. Young's Asian massage is where he decided to shoot his first victims. Literally, it had the word Asian in its name. Then he went ahead and went to gold massage spa, then aromatherapy spa. He literally said he had sexual temptations, and to kill six Asian women is not a coincidence. We are not a fetish that you can blame your sexual temptation on. There's a long history of objectifying Asian and Asian American women, and Asian American women are being targeted nearly two times the rate of Asian American men. Buying into white supremacist quote-unquote good stereotypes about Asian women as sex objects only increases the likelihood that we will be a focus of aggression. I saw a post that said if you are into anime, k-pop, eat Asian food, or literally even go to the nail salon, you need to be speaking in support of Asian Americans. And to be honest, the lack of support I have seen has been disappointing. Thank you to those who have spoken out or shown support, but I know every single girl I personally know has gotten their nails done at a nail salon at some point in their life, yet I hardly see any support for the tragedies that happen to Asians. Advocacy is one of the best forms of support. I could go on and on about the type of racial bias I have experienced in my own life and what my mother has experienced as well, but I would rather speak positively now. I posted on my podcast Instagram last Sunday about the different resources you can go support or educate yourself more on Asian American Pacific Islanders or the different donation sites you can donate to. I really urge you to be more proactive and like I say at the end of literally every single episode, advocate for equality and don't forget to show kindness. I think this is something we all need to either continue to educate ourselves on or for those who have yet to advocate to begin learning how you can do so. It does not mean you have to go Go on social media and post a photo on your story. It means talking to your family members about their own biases. It means talking to your friends who identify as Asian and how you can support them. And it means making sure that hate crimes are reported. There has been a lot of controversy over people reaching out to Asians you knew from like high school or a long time ago asking how they are feeling. And for me personally, I do not care how long it has been since we have spoken. If you want to speak to me about this issue and find out what is going on with me mentally and a healthy, you know, and comforting way, we can totally do so. I would rather share my experience since I would rather you be educated more on the matter than feel incompetent. Also, as a tip, in case you decide to speak to your Asian friends, something I have known for a really long time, but we also learned in one of my first social work classes for grad school, is that when someone is speaking to you about their pain and about their identity as a minority, please respect them by saying something other than you understand. Unless you are a minority who has experienced the same instances as a person you are talking to, I would refrain from that statement and say you're there to listen and learn, and that you do not understand, but you are willing to advocate for your friends. Also, history should not be repeating itself. From the Chinese Exclusion Act to the incarceration of Japanese Americans in World War II, to the brutal murder of Vincent Chin, to the violence against Muslims after 9-11, now to the current wave of anti-Asian racism, is a continuation of racist and imperialist violence against Asians in the U.S. No one should live in fear of discrimination, racism and violence. Anti-Asian violence can show up as racist slurs jokes physical violence tearing apart immigrant families and exploiting workers literally in 2020 alone nearly one in three asian americans reported experiencing racial slurs or jokes since the start of the covid19 pandemic if you see incidents of racism or bias do your part to be an ally and offer support i will put the website for stop aapi hate in the description in case you want to report any hate crimes that you see i gave a lot of information on episode 8 on what has been happening regarding asian hate crimes but i will let you know now that we will continue to have conversations throughout this podcast that hopefully evolve into creating a greater sense of inclusion for our community and with that thank you for listening and i hope you take time to reflect on how you are supporting asian american members Now let's get into some true crimes. So this is a rather controversial case due to the nature of how it was brought into the limelight by media. There is a podcast named Serial that if you want to check out for more information that went into depth on Adnan Syed that led to the documentary called The Case Against Adnan Syed and eventually the reopening of his trial. It shed very little light on the actual victim of this case, Hei Min Lee. So instead of going into the case focusing on Adnan like the Serial podcast did, I'm using this opportunity to honor Hae Lee since her life was cut short at only 18 years old. So Hae Lee was born in 1980. Lee immigrated from South Korea to Baltimore, Maryland with her mother, Young Kim, and her brother Young Lee to the United States in 1992 to live with her grandparents. Lee attended the magnet program at Woodlawn High School near Baltimore, Maryland. Inside Edition reported that Lee's mother wanted her children to have a decent education and a decent future. In a local interview, Lee was dressed in her high school lacrosse uniform where she told a reporter about school, sports, and work. She told them that she played field hockey for two years, played lacrosse for two years, and also managed boys wrestling, all while handling a job at Lens Crafters. Inside Edition reported that she had competed at the varsity level in both her sports and was on honor roll. She participated in Ecology Club, French Club, and Students Against Destructive Decisions. E! News reported that she was set to graduate with honors the year she died. She wanted to be an optician, so that was the reason and she worked at Lens Crafters. Lee's friends and teachers spoke about her at a 1999 memorial. Her French teacher, Hope Schaub, said she was one of those rare people you meet in life who's always happy, always joyful, and full of love. Athletic director Ralph Graham said, there are no words to describe her smile. Assistant lacrosse coach Susie Twigg spoke of Lee's passion for her sport. She said, Lee grew into a leader. She was a dedicated player and she was mad if you weren't too. The athletic director Graham said he would hear hear Lee sing sometimes, and her singing was often off-key. Her friend Debbie Warren outed Lee as a Teletubbies fan and said Lee's jokes were often unfunny, although her attempts at humor still made friends smile because Lee was so enthusiastic about it. In an interview with a Baltimore Sun, her family stated she stood up for what was right, regardless of popular opinion. They said in her diary, Hay once wrote, do love and remember me forever. So Lee disappeared on January 13th, nineteen ninety at 18 years old. Her family reported her missing after she failed to pick up her 6-year-old cousin from daycare around 3.15 p.m. in her Nissan Sentra. She was also supposed to go to her job at Lenscrafters after picking her younger cousin up. Lee had attended school that day and had been seen by several people leaving the campus at the end of the school day. Baltimore police immediately began investigating her disappearance. On that day, officers called various friends of Lee to try to find her. They reached out Tanan a former boyfriend, early around 6.30 that evening. He said the last time he saw her was around the time classes ended at school. Then, on February 9th, Lee's partially buried body was discovered by a passerby in Lincoln Park in Baltimore. She died of strangulation. On February 12, 1999, the Baltimore City Police Homicide Division received an anonymous phone call suggesting that investigators should focus on Lee's ex-boyfriend and classmate, Adnan Syed. While the relationship was kept a secret because of both religious and cultural differences, classmates Syed and Lee dated in 1998 and broke up in December of that same year. On February 28, 1999, Syed is arrested. In the hours of the night, Lee's car is found around 4.30 a.m. and around 6 a.m. is when he was arrested. He was 17 at the time but charged with first-degree murder as an adult. Lee's 16-year-old brother, Young Lee, speaks for his grandparents and mom told the Baltimore Sun that the news provided some closure and some peace at the time, but they were just as shocked because Lee told her family that he was one of her best friends. Syed was convicted by a jury and sentenced to life in 2000. A friend testified that he helped Syed bury Lee's body and cell phone tower evidence linked his phone to the area. But the frustrating part about the evidence is the finding of a fax cover sheet from ATT saying that the data regarding incoming calls was unreliable, and the cell phone technician who testified at Syed's hearing says he cannot stand by his testimony. When Adnan Syed was granted a new trial in 2016, Lee's family spoke out and said, We do not speak as often or as loudly as those who support Adnan Syed, but we care just as much about this case. We continue to grieve and we continue to believe. justice was done when Mr. Syed was convicted of killing Hay. At this point, Syed had been serving a life sentence plus 30 years since he was convicted in 2000. They also said, while we continue to put our faith in the courts, we are very disappointed by the judge's decision. We remain thankful to the many people who have expressed their support for us and to the state for standing by the true victims and for giving Hay Minley a voice. Asia McLean testified that she saw and spoke with Syed at the library at the the time that prosecutors say Lee was killed. Syed's attorneys produced letters that show McLean reached out to Syed in jail immediately after his arrest and offered to help with his defense. But they say Syed's defense team failed to pursue her account. Lee's family also criticized McLean because they wish McLean had watched the trial too because then she would not do what she was doing. And think, whatever her personal motives, they forgive her, but they hope she will not use Hay's name in public, which hurts when they hear it. From her because she did not know Hay, and because of Adnan, she never will. McLean testified that she was coming forward again because it was the right thing to do and because both prosecutors and the defense should have all available information. Then, many samples were taken from Lee during the original investigation, including fingernail clippings and material from necklaces and clothing. New tests performed at the defense's request revealed that none of the samples tested positive for Syed's DNA. His DNA was also not found among samples taken from Lee's car, where prosecutors have said they believe she was strangled. But the thing is, no one else's DNA was found on Lee's body, or in her car either. That means only the killer, whether it was someone else or Syed, left no detectable trace among the areas sampled. After these samples and testimonies, Justice Martin Welch vacates the original conviction saying there should be a new trial. However, Syed was not allowed out on bail while he waits for the new trial. He ends up waiting more than two years. Then in March, 2019, Maryland Court of Appeals votes four to three to reverse the decision denying a new trial, saying there is not a significant or substantial possibility that the verdict would have been different. So Syed's lawyers requested it go to the Supreme Court to reverse the decision. By November 25th, 2019, the Supreme Court of the United States rejected Syed's appeal for a new trial. I will leave with a quote that her mother said at the 2000 trial. I would like to forgive Adnan Syed, but as of now, I just don't know how I could. When I die, my daughter will die with me. As long as I live, my daughter is buried in my heart. And with that, we honor Hey Min Lee. Follow me on Instagram at Your Favorite Asian Podcast and hit that follow button if you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any cases that you would like me to cover, please email me at Your Favorite Asian Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to show kindness and advocate for equality. Baalam, and I'll talk to you again next Sunday.